Hello and welcome to the 42's Rugby Show, the Grand Slam winning edition. What a weekend it was for Irish sport, for Irish rugby. Um, Joe Schmidt's side not only augmented a third Six Nations title in five years with a Grand Slam, but they did so in some style. Murray Kinsella, you were over in London. How was your Grand Slam winning weekend? Yeah, it wasn't too bad, actually. I feel kind of lucky to have been there. Um, obviously, an incredibly composed performance. Um, I think they saved best to last. Mm. Um, and they're on this remarkable run now, and it seems like nothing can stop them. They seem so confident, um, even at halftime in a 21-5 lead. You know, incredibly strong position. Uh, and Joe Schmidt, even himself, looked to be enjoying in the stands. So, really, um, it, it kind of summed up exactly where Ireland are. 12 wins in a row. Um, and young guys coming through, experienced heads playing really well, um, and it's hard not to think that the future is going to be even brighter than this. Yeah, and there's a lot of analysis being over the last couple of days of people have, as the dust has been kind of settling on that performance in the campaign. We're going to take a slightly different approach. We're going to kind of take a closer look at the individual contributions throughout the campaign for Ireland, yeah. um, and as we know, huge contributions across the board. And we were just looking before we came on air at the whole squad that Joe used, and mm. you go down through nearly every player, and nearly there's a big contribution in there from everyone. Yeah, I mean, like. It's hard to pick out a guy who hasn't had a good championship, really, yeah. and that includes all the guys who came off the bench. Um, possibly in the first couple of games, he wasn't happy with the last quarter. Joe wasn't happy with that, but realistically, everyone's made a huge contribution. There's guys who haven't played that are really unlucky not to have played, so I think guys like that will be looking forward to that tour in, in Australia. Um, but yeah, some unbelievably strong uh, individual performances. Like If you were picking a 15, you could argue we pick 15 players for the team of the championship yeah. from from the Irish squad. It, it was that strong, and even the backup guys. So yeah, it's, I think it's interesting just to break down exactly what guys contributed. Mm -hmm. Like I mean, in terms of fitting into the to the Joe Schmidt system, because that's what it's all about. Like it's not about being the best in your position in the competition. It's about yeah. doing exactly what you need to within his tactical plan. And, and I think a lot of guys did that really well. Um, so yeah, really strong squad performance. Yeah. Okay, if we start at the back three. Um, a fairly constant back three throughout the tournament yeah. um, for Ireland, but again, some standard performances. If we look, maybe we start with Rob Carney. Again, an outstanding performance across the board. Signed a new IRFU contract this morning, so great news for him and uh, for Irish rugby. Um, do you want to pick out a couple of moments that he kind of excelled in? Yeah, I mean, well, he's always a guy who kind of divides opinion. It'll be interesting. Yeah. I'd love to hear from people what they thought of his performance in the championship. Mm. Certainly, just looking at my own Facebook page today, a lot of people are saying maybe my opinion has been revised because mm. I've seen how good Rob Carney can be when he's fully fit. And that's a big yeah. thing for him. You saw him grow throughout the championship. Um, and even against England, you know, he beat nine defenders in that game, which is an unbelievable amount. Yeah. And it saw him kind of hitting his peak. Like, if we look at his stats, uh, across the course of the championship, there you go, 18 defenders beaten, which kind of, you know, there's that, that reputation. the most in the championship of any player. Exactly. He has that reputation as a guy who's not going to beat defenders, and, and yet there's a clean stat for him. Tackles made, tackles missed. There are six missed tackles, um, and he probably gets a bit of flack around that. I think mm. people question his one-on-one -on -one tackling, but I think if you look at that England game, some of the tackles he made on the edge were really important at key moments in the game. And it's such a difficult place to defend. Like yeah. You're so exposed, aren't you? Um, and defender, uh, defenders beaten, he had a lot of defenders beaten. I think that was his carry stat there. Um, so he, he carried a lot of ball into contact 55 times. And then, obviously, the aerial game is, is a real strength for him. Kind of 20 catches from kicks and restarts, as well as cleaning up a lot of loose ball around the pitch. So um, I think there is his strength, that, that positional play. I think we're actually going to look at an example here. Um, from the England game, you know, because yeah. they play this 13 and 2 defensive system, Ireland, where they have 13 guys in the front line, um, and you can actually see Conor Murray 
uh, we're going to highlight him here in the analysis. He's just there. He's coming back from from the from the defensive line because England have chipped in over the top through through George Ford. Um, so Carney has to come all the way up from the backfield, but he does it really well. He reads the game uh, really intelligently, intuitively, and he gets there. And, and we're not going to play the clip here, but it's just an example. He gets up really strongly in the air. It's actually a kind of momentum boosting moment yeah. for Ireland, even late in the game when they've got it sewn up. Um, so they're the things he really excels at. Um, I don't know. What did you think of his? his yeah, just overall? just obviously on that clip you're showing there. I think Joe before the England game was asked in the in the pre-match press conference about Rob and how he's performed throughout the tournament. And one of the things he said was. You know, in the Scotland game at the Aviva, you showed he he just marshals the backfield so expertly, but his pace across the backfield and he reads it, as you say there, so intelligently. So he's always in a good position to cover whether they kick it in behind. Um, and I think one of the the interesting contributions for me was was that Scotland game and the build up to Conor Murray's try, and that was the kind of the game clinching try in the second half, yeah. where Johnny Sexton, um, you know, tried an, another up and under which had which had worked in the first half, but he didn't get that one right. And Carney kind of gets up above Stuart Hogg when he had no right to win it mm. and kind of salvage possession Ireland recycle then they go out and they win a penalty and eventually Murray gets over but as you say just just so intelligent um, and he really has proved a lot of people wrong I think in this campaign yeah, like a big game player and, and there's moments that you can't kind of quantify in stats like his his communication is really strong and, yeah. and certainly speaking to Jacob Stockdale he said he's helped me so much on the pitch like he's marshalling him yeah. a lot in the backfield as you mentioned he's got that stre uh, strength to his game so yeah he's a big game player as well like on the big occasions he's delivered you think back to that All Blacks match sure, when yeah. Joe Schmidt went to him and said listen yeah. I need a big game from you yeah. so he's been under pressure constantly for the last few years and, he, and he's constantly stepped up what's really interesting now going forward is like Jordan Larmour's on the scene he looks like 15 maybe his best position and how does Carney continue to react to that pressure mm. but so far really well he's reacted Final word on Carney do you think at 31 and kind of following on from this morning's announcement that he signed a new contract through to the World Cup, do people really start to now appreciate his worth in the team? I or think is there so. always going to be the, yeah. the critics? Look, there's always going to be critics. Like People always want, uh, I mean, he does beat defenders, but people probably want a guy who creates these unbelievable line breaks and searing tries yeah. from, from kick return. Um, maybe he's not quite that guy. And, and there are aspects of his game, like we looked on the rugby show, the Scotland game, there was a couple of times he could have passed for, for really good opportunities on, on the wide edge. A couple of times maybe he bid in uh, when opposition teams scored out wide. So there's a bit of a trust with that last defender as well. But but they're minor things to pick up. Um, and I think overall, yeah, he's really vindicated the selection. Yeah. Another player who's had an excellent tournament, Keith Earls. Unfortunately, that injury that he picked up towards the end of the game at Twickenham looks to be quite serious. But... Overall, a hugely um, successful tournament, I suppose, for him on an individual level. Yeah, incredibly popular guy, and, and I think everyone was pleased for him, and seeing him with his daughters on the pitch afterwards yeah. was a really nice moment, but uh, really effective around the pitch. He only scored one try, and there was someone actually trying to say to me yesterday, drop this guy, he only scored one try in the championship, which is crazy stuff. He could have been the player of the championship. Mm -hmm. um, and he contributes so much defensively as well as attacking. Like If we look at his stats, there was 26 made, 4 missed, and so many of them uh, were absolutely key moments. We'll look at an example in a second. Uh, but he beat 11 defenders, 6 offloads. Uh, so he maybe not got, didn't get those tries, but he's creating chances. And then one stat I wanted to highlight was the, the loose ball collection. So like ball that falls on the ground, yeah. gets scrappy. You know, Leinster, for example, call it scraps, as Stephen Ferris told us. And he's the guy who's falling on that ball so often. He's brave, he's aggressive, he's almost like an open side, kind of like his father a little bit. Um, but that competitiveness on mm -hmm. top of, for me, what is a lot of X-factor in attack, uh, just makes him the player he is. What, what did you think of his performance? Yeah, I think you mentioned competitiveness there. I think that 
hunt down, you know, Ireland had game one against Italy, and for many people that was kind of the moment of the championship, and I, I think we were just talking before air, and it just kind of sums up Ireland's attitude, that never, set, never say die, working right until the 80th minute um, on Bellini to make sure that Italy didn't get across for that bonus point try. Yeah. Um, mightn't be on the level of, say, a Johnny Sexton drop goal in Paris in terms of championship-defining moments, but certainly one that kind of underlined Ireland's willingness to work and get back and, yeah. and work for the 80 minutes. Um, and then the tap tackle, of course, uh, tweaking them on, on Saturday, which you highlighted in a piece um, since. And then the crossfield kick, of course, in Paris in the, in the lead-up to Johnny's drop goal. So yeah. big moments. And, like you know, as you say, maybe only one, tr one try throughout the tournament for Keith Earls, but huge contributions all across the board. Yeah, yeah. We want to look at that Italy tackle again because, as you say, it just summed up so much about the mindset of Ireland. You know, you're in the last minute. Uh, Italy get an interception through Bellini and they're going away up the, the right touchline there. Like, Earls doesn't actually have to make that run. Yeah. You know, he's he was back in midfield. He starts all the way back. Um and if he doesn't make it, no one's going to really notice. Well, Joe Smith is probably going to notice, actually, and, and say, why didn't you get back there? You have the pace. But it's unbelievable work rate. And, and no matter how uh, organised you are, no matter how good your tactics are, like that has to be there all the time. And I think you saw when he did it, uh, the camera kind of shot to, to Johnny Sexton and Conor Murray on the, yeah. on the bench. They stood up, they applauded. Like That said a lot about what this team is about. And, and for me, it said a lot about what, what Earls is about as well. Sure. Jacob Stockdale, what more can we say about him <laughs> other than his try stats? But again... Real coming of age, I suppose, if that's the right kind of phrase to use about him, because you know we saw in November what he can do on the international stage, and he really just went to another level. Again, one of these young players who kind of epitomises this new generation in the Irish squad, um, fearlessness, and I think just looking at his stats, we're going to look at now. Just um, again, huge contributions across the board, but those try scoring stats really stand out. Yeah, I mean he's he's a record breaker and. I asked him after the game, I said, how many do you think you can score for Ireland? And he said, when he said flip, first of all, it's his favourite little word. Uh, and he said, the sky's the limit. Yeah. Uh, so like he's got, he's got confidence. He's just exuberant, enthusiastic. He's, yeah. he's loving it and he's not awed by it. And I think like the stats are really impressive. Uh, defenders beating 11, clean breaks 10. He had tries from intercepts as well. Um, there are a couple of missed tackles there. I think technically he's got a, a bit of work to do on yeah. just getting his body height when he goes into contact um, but he's showing he can learn so quickly. Those intercepts are a clear example. And they also underline his mindset. I spoke to Kieran Campbell up in the Ulster Academy, and he said one of the strengths of Jacob Stockdale is he doesn't uh, he doesn't get bogged down after a mistake. He doesn't sure. let the pressure sit on top of him. He's a bit laid back, but but that's what works for him. So, you know, after the France game, we were all talking, is this guy going to be dropped? You mm. know, uh, Joe Schmidt backs him. He understands that he's got the character to, to rebound from those mistakes. And yes, he mo he made more defensive mistakes, but he also showed with those interceptions that he's not afraid to yeah. go and take those risks. Yeah. And, and he got the payback. And I think his defensive performances certainly did improve as the competition went on. But that try scoring, like that example against England, he, he's brought so much to, to this team. Um, like chip and chase around the yeah. outside over Mike Brown. And then he gets onto the ball, gets another little nudge with his... With his uh, with his left leg and we just want to highlight you know he's actually he's got two English tacklers here dragging mm. him I think he can go down there and, and claim a, a penalty yeah. try probably but he do, he just wants that just try just shows the ambition doesn't he's, it really yeah. yeah all he's thinking about is I can score here he can see the extended dead ball line thanks for that England <laughs> um, and he just wants to get that touchdown so he stays on his feet it also shows his athletic ability and we should definitely uh, touch on that because he, he is a big boy he's strong mm. he's quick his footwork is excellent um, and that makes a huge difference so 
I think there's more to come from it. I, I think Ireland can turn him into an attacking weapon in the air as well. Yeah. Um, and geez, it's just frightening to think how many tries he can score yeah. if, he, if he stays if he stays fit. He, he can beat Brian Driscoll, yeah. Driscoll's record. I think one of these guys is just so hungry to play rugby. I think he's back at Ulster already, speaking today that he wants to be involved in their game against the Blues in the Pro 14 on Saturday. So you know, after a long campaign with Ireland. Just shows you how hungry he is to get back out yeah. there and score tries. You, you got to manage that, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I, I suppose, like to touch on the rest of the back three, it is, it is important that Ireland uh, continue to get really good, strong options for for that depth as yeah. well. Like you know, he may pick up an injury at some stage. He's only twenty one. Everyone has to deal with that at some stage. So, like looking at the other guys who are involved, uh, Jordan Armour obviously is is hugely exciting in that regard. Mm -hmm. uh, he came on at thirteen. I don't know what you what you thought of his performance at, at thirteen. It was obviously. A different challenge for him. Yeah, yeah. He had obviously played a bit there in school, and I know Joe said afterwards that he hadn't trained at all um, in Ireland camp at 13. So that was a huge challenge. But also, it just shows you the faith that Joe has in him to throw him on. It would have been easy to bring Joey Carberry on um, and move Keith Earls in, um, and it just shows you the faith um, that Joe has in him. I think, like defensively, he was. You know, there was a few maybe slight errors or like areas that he could have improved on but overall you know that darting break towards the line I know Joe picked him up on it that he could mm. have offloaded outside <laughs> to, to, to Keith Earls um, and he would have been over but just hugely exciting and for a guy to come on for his third cap at Twickenham and to perform that well and just kind of fit in and slot in yeah. alongside Bun um, Gary Ringrose was, was yeah. hugely impressive Like he, he probably did get tied for those last two tries yeah. but I mean as you say he hadn't trained there and there was also some, some really powerful tackling from him. Like he's yeah. a small he guy. He the rock hard. He was straight he, on. Exactly, yeah. yeah, I think he, like, going through his rock sets across his competition, he hasn't had many minutes, but every time he's had to hit a rock, it's been really impressive. So he does those little technical details as well as the footwork and, and the searing pace. And in one way, yeah, he should have passed there, but he's also backing himself. Yeah. He's a guy who wants to score tries as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he fits exactly for Ireland. He mm -hmm. can, he's played a couple of positions now, wing, fullback. I don't know if centre really is his future, but he's got a passing game as well. We saw one lovely pass down the left-hand side where it was Carberry, Larmer and Stockdale. Really yeah. exciting for the future. They yeah. combined down the left. So, yeah, I think it was a positive start for him. I, I thought the, the kind of flack he got after the Italy game was a little bit strong. Yeah. You know, that first try, obviously, he got stepped. But, mm. uh, you know, that can happen to any player. The second try uh, that people were kind of uh, flagging for, I didn't think it was his fault at mm. all. And he had that unbelievable line break where he absolutely danced around two props in, in the space of a phone box so yeah. he's, a, he's a really exciting talent and, and how he develops is going to be really interesting I suppose final word on him just shows you the, the mental strength I suppose that you know involved for a debut against Italy then a bit of flack afterwards because he'd been built up and the hype and then to come back in against Scotland and, and get justify a selection again and then yeah. be on the bench against England just shows you yeah. um, huge mental strength and it's really exciting as you say moving on I suppose to the centres um, a few few players um, involved uh, in midfield for Ireland during the course of the campaign um, if we start with Bundy though he was the one constant um, again hugely um, impressive showing in his first Six Nations campaign yeah. um, Trojan work off the ball as the stats will we'll show here yeah yeah really impressive stats he he's like the glue in midfield as I say so many changing partners but he was always reliable consistent um, tackles really strongly 40 and only four missed and, and 57 carries like really powerful direct presence as well as these second last two stats kind of highlight how he grew into the campaign against Scotland he has two passes that, that give line breaks so really important for a centre to have that little creative touch as well and then against England we know he we went through off that furlong pass mm. um, and he and he provided the scoring pass inside standard did really well in behind the line I think Joe Schmidt would have, have been really impressed with that like he is an experienced guy he's 27 having said that he is still his Six Nations kind of debut campaign yeah. and and it's a lot of pressure, but for me, he, he stood up really impressively. Just yeah. a lot of little details yeah. as well. He looks at home in that Irish midfield as well, I don't know. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's him kind of settled in in for good in, in that regard. He's uh, He's got a big personality. I think his communication actually came across really well on the ref mic a couple of times as well. Yeah. Probably not something he's, he's famous for as well, but but really impressive, yeah. yeah. I suppose if we look at, at Gary Ringrose, because he was the, the centre alongside Bundy that finished the tournament, um, two hugely impressive performances, having come off barely any minutes this yeah. season. Um Again, just magical footwork is one of the things that you want to look at. But defensively, so strong, managing that outside channel yeah. um, really, really strongly. Yeah, like 22 tackles. Um, and that 13 channel was a bit of an issue for, for Ireland. Uh, not because of the personnel that were in there, but just in terms of how they work collectively. 22 tackles, 4 miss. But he was really intelligent how, when he softened up, when he went hard off the yeah. line with line speed. He, he combined the two of them really well. Um, and he beat, six, he beat six defenders. His footwork is a massive plus for Ireland. Um, because in the first game against France, obviously conditions were tough, so being creative is difficult, but they did look a little bit too reliant on Johnny Sexton, I felt, and that has been maybe an issue in the past. Um, with Ringrose in the team, his footwork, and, and also he's shown a little bit of an ability to, pa to pass for that, that um, Jacob Stockdale yeah. second try yeah. against the Scots, but his footwork adds something different. And the example I looked at was... Um, the Stockdale try against England uh, and just to carry directly before it Ringrose gets on the ball and um, we see him here uh, just getting on the ball for Ireland uh, and he's going to make a, just a little darting break to the inside uh, he gets just inside Johnny May's left shoulder and outside Dylan Hartley that ties in the two of them to the one tackle um, just because he's such a threat and then on the next phase you're going to see that Wigglesworth is gonna, he's going to get isolated just over here so Ringrose integrally involved in that and just shows the, the benefit of having that footwork even if you look at Conor Murray's try you mentioned that earlier on go back you know it comes from a five metre line out yeah. but go back to the penalty that won that opportunity and it was Ringrose's footwork inside Hugh Jones stresses the Scottish defence and then they concede a penalty yeah. so I think he, I think we all forgot how good he was. Yeah, he was nearly a lion, so it's it's exciting. He's only twenty three. Yeah, well. yeah. Just a quick word, I suppose, for for Robbie Henshaw and Chris Farrell. We know what Robbie Henshaw can do, but Chris Farrell stepping up to the mark. Um, you know, when, when Henshaw was sidelined, and he really, really impressive performance in that game. So unfortunate then to miss out the rest of the campaign through injury. But again, Schmidt has spoken a lot about and this campaign about building resources and centre looks particularly um, strong now. Yeah, it's incredible. Like, who would you pick? Who would be your first choice if the, if they're all fit? Who would you pick? Who would be the two? Um, it's a tough choice. It <laughs> is. Yeah, you, you nearly have to have Ringrose in there. He just looks a class apart, doesn't yeah. he? Um, and Bundy and and you know Robbie Henshaw. There's so many options. It's it is very difficult to pick. Yeah, I, if I if I had to pick if they're all four field, I think for me Henshaw and Ringrose probably the best balance. Yeah. But in a different game, Bundy and Aki and Chris Farrell might be the better options yeah. because against Wales that game suited them so well. Get a really strong gain line, be unbelievably physically, unbelievably direct. Or Henshaw and Aki have played together in Connacht as well. So Schmidt suddenly has all these options. There, there are always going to be injuries, injuries yeah. but he's got depth there. Rory Scannell was a guy who was carried along as the 25th man a couple of times as well. Didn't get his opportunity in this yeah. this tour, but maybe in maybe in Australia. Fergus McFadden, another guy in the back three who who had a big role to play in that France win in the last few minutes. He hit a few rocks, got a couple of carries as well. So, yeah, that, that depth is really positive. Yeah, if we move on to the half-backs, constant pairing throughout, world-class pairing. Um, yeah. Word on, on Conor Murray to start with. Um, best nine in the world? Yeah, it's a tricky one. I do have to say I'm a, uh, I like Aaron Smith's play. His, his pass quality is, is exceptional, but, yeah, Conor Murray, unbelievably important player. And if we look at his stats... Um, He's such a physical presence. That's the thing he brings over other scrum yeah. Like 31 tackles, which is almost the same as, as Johnny Sexton is out half. Um, yeah, it's actually exactly the same figure. And he's in the line all the time now in that 13 plus 2 system. He's making big tackles. Um, 
and he's making kicks 43 which is almost double the amount that Sexton made he yeah. actually takes a lot of pressure and he's also the most in the tournament again kicks yeah, from hand top kicker. Yeah. so he, he's a guy who's always in control of the tempo he's always having a massive influence on the game he scored two tries himself really brilliant um, finisher from close range but also four passes for assists so he's unbelievably influential over their whole uh, kind of creative play as well the stat I just wanted to pick out there was 542 passes positive and only 12 negative passes and the consistency of his passing now is something I think is overlooked because there are so uh, rarely uh, bad examples yeah. that, that you rarely notice it one good example here that we wanted to look at was um, for the for the CJ Sander try just before Ty Furlan makes his unbelievable assist is Conor Murray here um, and it's a, a beautiful pass to, to Johnny Sexton out in front of him gets him moving forward because if there's any slight check in that the whole move kind of falls apart sure. um, and it's something that probably isn't picked up enough Con in Conor Murray's play he, he works so hard to, to improve his consistency of passing he works with Greg Oliver down in Munster a lot um, and for me, he's he's pushing it. Aaron Smith, I think, is still the best passer. The range he has yeah. on it as well, but but really impressive growth from yeah. Conor Murray. But so influential. Yeah. Before we move on to Sexton, just the two the two penalties that Murray actually kind of overlooked. Yeah. Um, well, the Welsh one um, moved Ireland ten points clear. A tricky enough penalty attempt, and then obviously a tweaking him on Saturday. Um, that's just another string to his bow. And you talk about his kicking from hand there, but such a reliable place kicker. Yeah. If if Sexton is off or. If yeah, it's a great point because I hadn't even thought of that. He, he, like his personality as well. Like he seemed to like that one against Wales. He seemed to be loving it. Yeah, he, he just to strikes like him so cleanly yeah. as well. Though it just yeah. such a laid back approach. Just um, yeah. really gets a good connection off it. Yeah, I mean he ha he has most things in his in his kind of uh, toolkit now. He has all the passing, all the kicking, place kicking now as well. So unbelievably world class player. Yeah. yeah, Johnny Sexton, another world class player. How did you kind of rate his performance throughout the campaign? I think. You know, a few missed kicks from the tee, which is unlike him, yeah. but again, his overall influence huge. Yeah, like we don't have a staff for competitiveness, competitiveness <laughs> either, but he's 100%, you know. Yeah. This guy is all in, so physical. Look at the amount of carries there, 43 carries. I'd say Joe Schmidt is watching that through his fingers at times. You yeah. saw against Wales, he was making pick and goes before tries. Like This guy just wants it so much. A lot of tackles, he's always physical, he's looking for those choke tackles. Um, on top of that, he has all the creative ability. There's six passes for line breaks, uh, 26 kicks, and, and you mentioned that Keith Earls won earlier on against France. That is a, a huge moment, mm -hmm. as well as a drop kick, obviously. So, uh, for me, he's He's just an unbelievable rugby player. He's he's truly great, um, and also the fact that he's carrying injuries in a couple of games. Yeah. You know, his back or hamstring. We're not quite sure exactly what the issue was, but he was playing injured, um, and it didn't seem to affect him. Bar a couple of those place kicks, potentially. Uh, so for me, uh, an unbelievable competitor. And, and one of the examples we just wanted to look at was um, in the lead up to Keen Healy's try against against the Welsh. Ireland have lost a, a line out from five metres out, and Ross Moriarty has the ball here. He gets around CJ Sander just there. Uh, but who's waiting? Johnny Sexton, uh, and he's not going to hold back. He absolutely hammers into that hit uh, and drives uh, Moriarty back over the line. Dan Levy does also help as well. But but that sums up Sexton to me. Like there aren't many other out halves who who go seeking that hit. Maybe Owen Farrell, but he has no, he has been nowhere near as good as as Johnny Sexton in this Six Nations campaign. So. He has all the creative ability, big moments, but for me, that's the most important thing as well. He leads by example with his physical game. Yeah. Um, and a piece you, you had in the site, um, I think it was yesterday, you kind of described the forwards as ferocious, and that's probably the best word yeah. to kind of describe the overall performance. We started with the front row and, and Keane Healy in particular. Just, we was actually surprised by the... We thought he had more carries in, in the game against England. He only ended up with two, but just all around the pitch, so physical, no nonsense. And I think the highlight really that kind of encapsulate, encapsulates that was 
in that French game where he kind of just seemed to pluck a couple of French forwards from the rock <laughs> and just swat them aside. Yeah. Um, huge tournament again for him because obviously himself and Jack McGrath have been in constant direct competition back and forth. But and Jack played so well yeah, as well, coming yeah. off the bench. So Keane Healy's kind of really stamped his authority in that position, is that yeah. fair to say? I totally agree. Like One thing that stands out to me is his athletic makeup now. He's dropped yeah. a bit of weight. Yeah. He's spoken about this. He's dropped a bit of weight, and I think that's helping him rack up some pretty impressive stats as well. His power is still there, but he's a little bit light around the pitch, and, he, and he's making 25 tackles across the course of the game, remembering that he's coming off late in games and even missed one. Um, and he, no tackle misses. 44 carries. He was really powerful in contact, um, and he contributed to scrum success of 98.4% for Ireland. Like, that's a massive platform for them. Joe Schmidt places such a big emphasis on it, and Greg Feek, the scrum coach can definitely take a bit of pride in that but Healy for me played a big part in that even if you look at the the second Jacob Stockdale try where they used that, that intricate three yeah. phase power play he, uh, he holds the scrum unbelievably well there it was easy for him to go down uh, under massive pressure but uh, the minutes as well like he, he racked a, up 239 that's a talent stat isn't it most yeah. since 2014 that's, he's fit he's yeah. fit and that makes such a difference Keane Healy was always one of the best loose heads around. It was mm-hmm. just the fact that he was so unlucky with injuries. And now, uh, kind of like Keith Earls, he, he's less worried about having that weight on him yeah. and he's getting way better athletic gains. So also, that's a bit of credit to RFU and how they've managed their athletes as well. So yeah, it's good to see him back in, in great nick. And one of the examples I want to pick out, uh, kind of like the Keen Healy of old, he, mm-hmm. he was always a, a good carrier. Um, and in this example, uh, he's going to just blast over the try line with a good latch from Peter Romani there as well. Um, but it's great to see him getting those moments and I think he, he looks happy and, and healthy as well. So, yeah, there's a lot more left in him but Jack McGrath there as well, always pushing He's him. not a bad player to come off the bench. He's not vice versa. Yeah, he could, he could easily start for any other, um, well, many other nations. So, mm. they've got really good depth there. Sure. Rory Best, um, captain, another player who signed a new contract with the RFU this morning up until the 2019 World Cup. Huge boost. What did you kind of make of his overall contributions? We saw on Saturday, great communicator with Angus Gardner just constantly in his ear, but not over doing it. You know, we saw Dylan Hartley was kind of a bit more aggressive. Maybe that's just his style, but Rory Best very laid back and just very composed and calm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the thing we wanted to pick out. Like, we don't have many examples of unbelievable moments from, yeah. from Rory Best on the pitch, but... It's that it's that communication. Here's Gardner and Paper having a little laugh with him. You know, he got on their good side. Um, whereas Harley, as you say, was a little bit more aggressive. Was almost a bit more desperate. Yeah. Um, and then at the key moments, like you know, when Bundyaki goes in and doesn't really rap, uh, I think Harley really should have been in Gardner's ear there. You know, that has to be yellow. That has to be yellow. And obviously, you don't want to encourage that kind of play, but. I think best managed him much better. He, he got a great relationship with, with him going, and it was key for me. If we look at his stats, like around the pitch. I'm not sure how much he's, he's offering in, instead of, in terms of uh, the carry, the tackle. You know, he missed Aaron Shingler for one of the Welsh tries. He's not as explosive as he once was, but huge work rate in terms of the ruck numbers. We don't have them here, but he's always up high in those charts. Um, and on top of that, he, he captained all five games. He was there to start all five of them. No Jamie Heesip, you know, they probably missed him in the first quarter of those early games, yeah. uh, but, but best led really well, and, and he deservedly gets a new contract. Yeah. You mentioned how great it was to kind of see Keith Earls enjoy the moment with his family um, at Twickenham on Saturday, but, but someone like Sean Cronin, who spoke quite well about missing out in November and trying to get back in, for him to be so explosive, we know what he can do off the bench, but to do it time and time again and just adds a great option for Joe Schmidt yeah. off the bench. You know, we, you know, coming on, he can real brings real energy, um, and we saw him get a try or two during the course of the championship as well. So another great option like McGrath coming on for Healy, and, and we'll speak about Porter coming on for Furlong and vice versa. But Cronin for best is another strong. Yeah, option. he must get frustrated because he offers so much around the pitch. 
more so than Roy Best does, but maybe doesn't have the same leadership or, yeah. or status in the group. But what what an impact player to have, and, and he's going to be important going forward, definitely. Sure. Moving on, to, I suppose the tight head mentioned Tyg Furlong there. Um, another huge tournament by him again. His stock just continues to soar. Yeah. Man of the match at Twickenham on Saturday. Um, you could see how much it meant to him after the game with his family um, there as well. What did you kind of make of his overall performance? Because he just seems to be getting better and better and better. Yeah, I think like he's setting new standards for, for tight head play in world rugby, and he has been for the last while. Um, his stats are in, in terms of his power output and his work rate, 30 made tackles, none missed, 33 carries, and he's so explosive. You saw against Scotland especially, he kind of went on the rampage, kind of like that time against New Zealand in, in, in Lands End Road. Yeah in 2016, um, but also 12 passes, um, and also it's important to point out he only played 201 minutes, he missed two games, sure. but the passing is what really separates him, and, and the obvious example is against uh, the French, um, that was just a moment of pure beauty, there he's in the middle of it, um, and it was so fluid, it, it, you know, in that moment it actually looks like it might go to Johnny Sexton, and you can see why England uh, bought it so well. Also because he's such a threat, like you know, he's still on for that carry, uh, potentially like smashing into Dylan Hartley and through the line. Um, but he did it so fluidly, like even without a ball, it's actually hard to do that without yeah. falling over. Yeah. <laughs> he's we moving at such pace, yeah. and he and he pulls it off so well. So yeah. incredibly impressive. Yeah. I don't know if there's we were just saying it. before on air that just shows you how good his skills are. That Joe would have a, a tight head prop, yeah, at the heart of a move like that. Um, and he pulled it off, as you say, superbly. And, and that kind of acted as the decoy nearly because England were probably expecting when you see Tyke Furlong in midfield off the set piece like that, thinking yeah. that, as you say, just truck it up the middle. Um, but yeah, superb. Um, Andrew Porter, again, um, he got probably more minutes than he was expecting with, with Tyke Furlong's injury against Italy and in the Welsh game. He stepped up again superbly. And an, another one of these players that just adds huge, huge depth. I suppose his development was fast track, but certainly justified in, in that sense. Yeah, like what a prospect. He's 22 and and he's already standing out physically. There was one little moment in the, in the 80th minute in Twickenham where, again, the game's won. There's a 2-1 on the outside edge, and he, he's caught on the outside edge. Yeah. Jamie George and another guy outside him. And somehow he pulls off this incredible tackle that's literally about his sheer strength. He reaches over the top of George and rips in underneath his right shoulder and tackles him like literally inches short. So he's made a huge impact. And for him to, to, to play most of that Italy game and also start against Wales, mm. Everyone would have been nervous about that. Was it a risk? But but he's shown that he, he's well able for Tess Roby. And he also has a bit of mobility, a bit of skill as well. So really exciting yeah. prospect. John Ryan obviously came off the bench in Paris. And he's unlucky. kind of fallen down the pecking yeah. order slightly now. But again, a third option, really strong and really valuable member to have in a squad. Yeah, like he was unlucky with that penalty against yeah. the French. But before that, there were two really strong scrums from him. Um, and he's been in there. He's been in 24th man the whole way through and very close to it yeah he's probably suffered because Porter has, has emerged so strongly but he's definitely going to be in the mix again and there's there's a couple of other props there as well Dave Kilcoyne was unlucky with his badly timed injury as well and uh, there's a couple of younger guys coming through as well so yeah a lot of depth there yeah. as well Second row there was a bit of changing primarily down to a few injuries uh, James Ryan Henderson picked up a, a few knocks throughout the course but really strong options again Henderson big boost signing a contract again yeah. today um, what did you kind of make? I suppose we start with James Ryan because first Six Nations, he hasn't lost a professional game in his yeah. career. Um, again, so impressive, his stats, his carries, so physical. The thunderous hit, I suppose, on Atoje um, from kickoff on, on Saturday yeah. kind of set the tone and just sums what he's all what he's about, really. Yeah, like he he's 
he's just so explosive for his age. It's incredible that a 21-year-old lock is starting Test rugby and already standing out in, in that regard. It, it, I don't know if people understand how difficult that is to do. Um, and his work rate is absolutely true to roof. You know, 44 tackles, 51 carries, and a lot of that is kind of scrappy crappy carries around the fringes that no one wants to do but he's always there putting his head down surging into contact winning line outs stealing line outs um, and also ruck work we want to just highlight one example against Scotland um, he's he's a vicious ruck hitter yeah. and that's massive for any second row Ryan Wilson there is over the ball in a re he's initially in a really good jackal position but Ryan absolutely hammers in here it's worth watching this back if people have the game on YouTube or whatever he absolutely smashes him in the upper yeah. back there's so much venom in it it's a one kind of opportunity I have to get him first time and he blasts Wilson away um, so he's brought that as well he's brought that aggression and he's brought a a really important um, kind of solidity in his mindset as well. He's not awed by it. He's not thinking, sure. oh, it's great I'm here in the Six Nations. He's wanting to win a Grand Slam already. Um, and as you say, yeah, he's, he hasn't tasted uh, defeat in professional rugby, which is just remarkable. Yeah, Schmidt ended, sorry, sorry, started the tournament and ended the tournament with that Henderson-Ryan combination in the second row. Um, and we know that's kind of earmarked as, as the future one for Ireland. But Devon Toner continues to stand up time and time again, justifies the selection each time. What did you kind of make of his performance? Because yeah. it, it's, it's, it's difficult because he's looking over his shoulder at you know guys like James Ryan, Alton Delang coming up and with Ty Byrne coming back to Munster for next season, you know, there's a lot of competition there, probably more so than, than ever really before for him. So, you know, it's a, it's an important time for him to stand up and perform. How do you think yeah, he went? Yeah, look, that's a great point. He, he, di he, di he always does stand up and perform. Yeah. Like his, his consistency is just incredible. Um, he's never going to make a big massive line break for you. Although, having said that, I think his carrying has improved uh, drastically. He's he's getting a lot of pace into the carry. He's using his size. Um, I think he has actually dropped a little bit of weight, weight as well. So yeah. it's interesting to see the guys who are benefiting from getting their athletic kind of capabilities right. Uh, but he's been really impressive again. He, he's so solid, great in the line out, uh, calling the line out, hits a lot of rucks as well, big work rate as well. So yeah, there's, there's three really good contenders there for the locking positions. Those two guys who are younger obviously are, are the future. Uh, Quinn Rue also came on and had a really important involvement in a big scrum penalty you mentioned Murray slotting that yeah. Rue comes on a tight head lock uh, and he drives ha really hard there as well we should also mention that about Ryan as well 21 and he's tight head scrummaging yeah. uh, which is a really tough job and then he's also bringing the work right on top of that yeah. so yeah again it looks really bright this, <laughs> we keep saying it but there's a lot of depth in, in yeah. a lot of positions just quickly before we move on Henderson and, and people kind of may overlook this or may not realise it but Joe spoke about it before England as well that He's now calling the lineouts, and mm. it's it's obviously a big role. And actually, Dave Newsafora, the IRFU performance director, highlighted in the press release that they released today when he when they signed his contract that that's obviously now a big part of his role. Can you kind of explain the kind of nuances of that and how important it is, especially when you're playing alongside someone like James Ryan, who is still very yeah. inexperienced? That's an interesting point. I actually hadn't seen that quote, um, but it, it's an incredibly important job. And probably the lineout is something that all of us, apart from the forwards you were watching, don't don't appreciate enough. Like So much work goes into it. Yeah. If you're a line-out caller, you have to uh, do an unbelievable amount of analysis on your own line-outs, have all those calls literally ready to go in your head, plus different trigger calls depending on how the opposition lines up. So if there's a guy marked up on your main option, you got to change that in the line-out or on the way to the line-out. Uh, you got to think about how they set up themselves, so reading their plays, reading their body language, how a guy moves forward, back, what his lifters are doing. There's, there's an unbelievable amount that goes into it. And if you're not getting... Uh, clean line-out possession for your own team, mm -hmm. obviously your your attack is going to suffer massively. If you don't get a good launch on your first phase, then they can get their defensive line set and everything else is going to suffer. On the opposite side, if you can get good competition and make good reads, which, which Henderson has done in this championship, getting line-out steals, 
it spoils their possession and suddenly their attack is going to suffer a lot. And I think we saw that at Mall and line-out time. And actually, if we look at an example from Henderson, um, I think that shot is brilliant. He's calling for the ref, he's calling for that, that turnover. Uh, but he's just unbelievable amount of strength and yeah. he's manhandling Mario Toje, uh, who's trying to get his knee down to the ground. Um, and I thought uh, Ryan and Henderson actually bullied those Lions locks they started against. So, yeah, it's, it's impressive and, and, and what's to come still is really important. But as you say, Henderson is growing into that kind yeah. of maturity role. Speaking of line-out steals, Peter Armani, really the master at it. The back row yeah. for Ireland had a, an exceptional tournament, really. If we look at you know, the CJ Standard, the way Dan Levy stepped up, and you consider Sean O'Brien, Reese Ruddock, Josh Van der Fleer all kind of out missing. Huge options again, but if we, I suppose if we start with, with Peter O'Mahony, some of the stats here are, are incredible. Just gets through so much work. A colossal leader, yeah. really, in the pack. Yeah. Um, such a nuisance at the breakdown. Yeah, he is. He, for me, like I wrote this during the championship, he's almost become like the new Jamie Heaslip. He doesn't make big line breaks. He doesn't make smashing tackles. You know, he's probably not the biggest guy in world rugby, but he kind of glues everything together. He's, yeah. he's a clever presence. He, he's first to the breakdown so many times. You know, 26 passes as well, that little link play. He had 17 line-outs, line-out wins on Ireland's throw, which was the most for any player. So he's their front-line option. He didn't get any steals, actually, interesting enough, but there was so much competition. Yeah. Like, he gets up every time and makes it scrappy. 40 carries, made all of his tackle attempts as well. So really consistent performer, uh, and also off the pitch, he, he's a leader as well. Um, so, yeah, I think he's he's maybe getting slightly underappreciated again, but for me, he is kind of like that role that Jamie Heesip grew, in, grew into. Uh, even though he initially broke through as a more dynamic player, really important. Yeah, the other side of the scrum, Dan Levy was a constant throughout. He spoke before the tournament about realising when Josh van der Fleer um, was sidelined, realising that this is a huge opportunity for him, and he just grasped it with both hands. No surprise there, really, knowing the type of character and rugby player he is. Just huge performances throughout, workhorse, and you kind of wonder how Sean O'Brien or Josh van der Fleer will get back into that Ireland yeah. team going forward, because he really stamped his authority on that position. Yeah, and like the kind of physically impact he made almost surprised me. Like He's a really strong guy, but he was getting through a lot of like one-on-one -on -one tackles, making ground when he probably shouldn't have really powerful tackles. Even his numbers, just his work rate was, was was off the charts. 51 made tackles, only missed three, 58 carries, and some of them were really powerful as well. Um, and one of the stats we wanted to pick up as well was he only conceded one penalty. Like, yeah. it, It's really good discipline. For an open side flanker, you're in that position so many times where you can give away penalties, you're being a nuisance, and he, he was constantly a nuisance. But he also had the intelligence to to kind of maybe take his hands off when he was jackling when it, when it was kind of pointed out to him by the ref. Yeah. Um, and I think that, for me, is a is really impressive thing about him. He's Again, like Ryan, he's never in awe of the occasion. He thinks he belongs in that. Yeah. He knows in his mind that he belongs in that kind of arena. Yeah. Um, and one of the examples we want to look at from his play um, was just this um, kind of the fight to stay in, in the jackal. He's, he's here uh, over the ball. Uh, initially, he does have his hand on the ground, I have to say, in this example, but he, he gets back onto the ball. Alan Wynne-Jones comes in with one of those... Uh, clean outs that are actually similar to James Ryan just before yeah. he smashes him in the upper back kind of neck area and a lot of guys let go of the ball there uh, but but Levy stays in the fight and gets the breakdown turnover penalty and there's a great shot of Alan Wynne Jones afterwards looking at the ref like yeah. what the hell just happened yeah. there uh, I thought I cleared him away um, so yeah he's been really impressive coming into that environment and, and as you say there's a lot of competition there now but it's his jersey at the moment yeah. Sean O'Brien it would be an interesting to see how Ireland would have gone in this championship with him there as well, but yeah. um, I think Levy kind of owns that jersey now. Yeah, CJ Stander had a huge, we look at his stats now, but a huge tournament, like 24 carries against England, 21 against Wales, 24 against France, topping the charts in nearly every game in that, in that regard. Um, we spoke earlier about just 
how much work he gets through, just so physical. Um, what did you kind of, how did you assess his overall performance? Yeah, like the amount, sheer number of carries he gets through is just incredible. Um, this is the second highest total for a player in the Six Nations ever. And last year he set the record, with yeah. 107 I think it was. So uh, he's, a, he's a big target for the opposition defence and he's only eking out 2.1 metres. But for me that's actually impressive considering the amount of traffic he carries into. And compared to a lot of the Irish guys on Saturday against England, that was that's yeah. quite a significant carry because I think a lot of them weren't according to the stats anyway, weren't making a lot of ground. I mean, it was a tough game, it was a tough battle, the defences were really strong in those yeah. narrowing areas, but he invariably made those, uh, and also he's getting those tackles, you know, the, just 21, or sorry, passes rather, 21 passes as well, so he's getting that little bit of variety into his game, but the carrying is the big thing, like, one of the carries that stands out most of all to me, there's 96 of them, so it's kind of hard to pick out one or two of them, but against France, in that passage of play for five minutes when they're building up to a drop goal, he carries into contact here, um, but then the key is he kind of rolls out of that tackle and he just gets that extra couple of metres, gets the French uh, defence back another couple of steps and then bang, they, they strike for the drop goal off that as well. So I thought it was fitting that he was the, the kind of last carry in that passage. Yeah. Jack Conan um, also featured, you know, it's a frustrating one for him because he's kind of seen off is probably the wrong word with Jamie Heaslip, but he's kind of, he got game time at Leinster when Jamie was out obviously and you know, trying to work his way into the fold and CJ Standard is now arguably back to his real best form after maybe a slight dip at the end of last season. So it's really hard for Jack Conan to get a look in. How do you think he went when he did get his chance? Yeah, I think he'll be frustrated with, with how he did in that uh, that Welsh match. There was, you know, one moment can yeah. can be a big moment in, in Test Rugby especially and he just kind of shot up on that Steph Evans try. He kind of gets out of the line, uh, bites in a little bit and they get exposed on the outside edge. Now, the there are always other people involved, and it is a system kind of failing when you concede a try. It's never just on one guy, but I think that would have been you know gnawing away at him a bit. But against Italy, we saw the best of him. You know, mm. he was so unlucky to get injured at, at half time uh, to come off at half time yeah. because we saw his lovely hand, hands to to Conor Murray when he put him away for that try when they all kind of linked down the left hand side. And he has that. He's he's kind of rangy. He's got an offload. He's very mobile across the ground and good footwork as well. So certainly not finished with Ireland by any means. And he'll hope that this tour to Australia means. Uh, means a chance. Yeah, before we look at a couple of your questions, Jordy Murphy, a word for him because after the injury he had and the year he had of getting back, you know, he, he admitted himself that a few doors opened for him in this championship with, with the likes of Van der Fleer and, and Sean O'Brien out. But when he got his chance, he really seized it. He came on against Scotland and again at Twickenham on Saturday and just brought huge energy, a couple of huge carries and mm -hmm. a couple of players after in the mix zone pointed that out and it didn't go unnoticed yeah good character in the squad as well judging yeah. by the Instagrams from the last few days as well <laughs> uh, so that's important no wonder he's popular but but he did make such an impact and I think it's really exciting for Ulster rugby fans as well because he's going up there next year the provinces in the doldrums and they need a a bit of a leader and a guy who's going to get them onto the front foot. They've missed that that carry, and maybe Jordy Murphy wasn't always known for that when he comes into professional. Being mm. more of a kind of clever player around the around the breakdown and stuff of like that as well. But now he's a really complete complete presence. Um, and even again, like we can't forget the big games he's played. He started against the All Blacks, obviously got injured that time in 2016, but he started against England at number eight once in in, in that win. So he's been there, and and Joe Schmidt constantly rates him. So he's a, he's an excellent player, and it's brilliant for Ulster that they're getting him next year. Yeah, just a question from from Karen Campbell, and we mentioned Ty. Burn when we were going through the second rows. He wants to know where do you think Tyg Brown will fit in? Obviously, he's coming back to Munster during the summer. You've Toner, Ryan, Henderson, Quinru, Delan all involved in this Six Nations. Yeah. <laughs> Presumably, there's a space for him in there, but where is that space? Australia tour in June. 
on the basis that he will be involved will be a big one because he'll get yeah. in and around that environment. He has been in an environment before. I think Joe asked him to come in a couple of times to that Carton House um, camp. But where do you think he'll fit in and, and how do you see that going, I suppose? Mm. For me, he's definitely a second row. Um, he's played a lot in the back row for the Scarlets this season. Yeah. He's actually played more in the back row than the second row, which is one of the things Joe Schmidt highlighted when he said he didn't bring him in the squad. But... Um, uh, I think his second row is the best position. He he has that jackling ability. Like he's a freakish turnover machine. Um, but on, on top of that, he's got good line-out skills. He, even though he's not the biggest in terms of stature and weight, he, he packs a lot of punch as well. Um, but he's got a battle on his hands, definitely. I think Joe Schmidt will bring him in in Australia. I think he'll cap him, uh, get him up to speed as well, because it just adds another element to that competition and, and pushes those frontline guys as well. Um, but absolutely, Ty Byrne's got a battle on his hands. Comes back to Munster and um, needs to establish himself there, m more so even first of all. Um, but it, but it is exciting to get him back, yeah. I think. There is a big few weeks ahead for the provinces. Pro 14 returns this weekend. Then it's the Champions Cup quarterfinals and Challenge Cup quarterfinal for Connacht. But looking ahead to that next Irish involvement, and that's the summer tour of Australia, um, Joe, again, constantly, repeatedly talked about how important that summer tour last year of USA and Japan. You capped the likes of James Ryan, Stockdale, Porter, those type of guys that really got experience um, working with Joe in that environment. So do you see it being, again, hugely important? Obviously, no Lions tour this year, so there's going to be a lot more senior players involved. But again, a real stepping stone towards that World Cup. Yeah, like going over there and getting a Test Series win on top of what they've just done would be massive, as you say, a big step. Um, but I think it's important that they get like clearly defined goals for this um, tour, and especially around the halfback positions. We've just spoken about how good Conor Murray and Johnny Sexton are. It's beyond doubt. But the guys behind them haven't really had as much opportunity. I thought Joey Carberry did do well when he came on, especially yeah. in Twickenham. Two stints on the pitch, looked really composed. But I'd love to see him start a, a big test match at 10 for Ireland yeah. um, and just control the whole thing. Same at scrum half. Like Luke McGrath was very unlucky. He yeah. got injured after sitting on the bench for the 80 minutes in France, uh, so he didn't get a chance. But Marmion came on again on the wing the last day. <laughs> he must be getting so sick of that <laughs> at, at this stage. But I think seeing a, a, a new halfback pairing starting one of those tests even would be really positive. Yeah. I suppose just on Carby, we, we forgot to mention him when we were talking about the halfbacks, but his place kicking really seems to have come on. That time on the sideline um, has really allowed him to work, and I know he was working quite closely with Richie Murphy for a, a good bit of that time on the sideline. And he, a couple that came on during the Six Nations, a couple of really sweet strikes. We saw again on Twickenham, as you said, on, on Saturday. He just looks really composed in that position. Another one of these young players that just exudes confidence. Yeah, like I guess the challenge for him now is to go back to Leinster and, and get starts at 10 or yeah. get, get game time there, which he hasn't really on account of Ross Byrne doing so well in that position. Yeah. And obviously Johnny Sexton goes back now and starts against Saracens. So that's a challenge for him. He, he's Obviously he's going to stay at Leinster, that's where he wants to play his rugby, but um, I think it's important for Ireland that he gets more game time at 10. Yeah. Overall, really positive space Ireland are in. Yeah, like I think just if we look at them collectively and, yeah. and what Joe Schmidt has done with the team, uh, 20 tries in this championship, their highest ever in a Six Nations campaign. They did concede 11, but, but I think it's important to point out that the defence had really strong passages as well. Even in Twickenham, you, you think of those six and a half minutes after half-time where they were so strong early on in the game. They really limited the, the English opportunities. And even when they went down to 14 men, they made England work unbelievably hard for that. It was really telling that the players all kind of spoke about Andy Farrell after the game. Yeah. Really popular in the squad. Um, and he's done a good job. And I think some of the stats kind of sum it up. A guy called Simon Gleave, who's on Twitter, if people don't follow him, he's, he's absolutely excellent. He's the head of analysis in Grace No Sports. And he looks at the 22 entries. Um, and Ireland were unbelievably clinical here. You know, they entered the 22, opposition 22, 38 times, which was the second most of anyone. And they had 3.82 points per 22 visit, which was the best of any team. Uh, okay. So that sums up just how clinical they are um, when they get into those good positions. Also, they actually limited the opposition 
opposition to to the fewest kind of 22 entries in, it was 25 was the total which was the best in the competition as yeah. well so they're controlling games they've got a lot of possession and um, they're really good at retaining the ball everyone understands their kind of role in it as they say and and he's got them in a great place with that depth so it, it's hard not to be very positive yeah. they've got a really good coaching team around yeah. them the most encouraging thing i suppose before we finish up is that there is huge room still for improvement yeah there is there, there absolutely is like we're talking about how good these players have been but that's because of the competition behind them. Yeah. That's because they know that no one's guaranteed a place anymore. The the, the big goal since 2015 World Cup has, has been depth. That's happening now. There's probably still more to come. And, and I think Ireland should be looking towards that World Cup uh, in a very ambitious way because now with the depth of squad, with the key leaders they have, they can certainly look beyond a quarter-final anyway. Hopefully that's <laughs> that's to come for Irish rugby. But I think there's enough quality there that, that they, they can be real challengers. Yeah, that's obviously further than the line. Big couple of weeks, as we said, for the provinces. Um, players going back. Final word, Keith Earls, one of the questions came in. Do we know how serious that injury is going to be? I think Johan van Graan kind of suggested yesterday that was medial ligament yeah. damage. So not looking too good for him. There's been a few bumps and bruises over the course of it. Robbie Henshaw, obviously, yeah. uh, with Leinster, obviously, is a big blow as well. They do a bit more depth, but really unfortunate for Keith Earls. He's, he's been so impressive. And Munster, probably a tricky position now. Uh, yeah. They lost Clute as well. And uh, Chris Farrell, obviously, as well, from the Six Nations. So, yeah, let's get back into the provinces. And hopefully, they can contain, uh, continue the momentum that, that Ireland have built up. Yeah, Six Nations is finished. Ireland, Grand Slam winners. But as we said, huge couple of weeks to come in Irish rugby for the provinces. That's all for us. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, goodbye.